Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today with our guests from McPhail Center for Music. And we have spoken with Diana Babcock in the past for another episode, and we have Diana back today, and she's brought a colleague. Diana, nice to see you. Welcome back. Hi. Thank you, Priscilla, for inviting us. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today, and I brought a a colleague of mine, Jane Tate. She's one of our Sing, Play, Learn with McPhail teachers and also a music therapist at McPhail. So we've got lots of fun things to share today. Welcome, Jane. Thank you. So today we're going to talk a little bit about a research project that you all did to really look at the importance of music in early childhood. And so I'd love it if you just kind of give us an overview of, you know, that whole process, how it came to be, and then we're going to go into some lovely examples and also about, probably before that, findings of some of that research, and then some examples of some of the tools that you use in your work. So... Diana, do you want to just give us an overview? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So Learning with Music came about in 2004, and it was um, based on this uh, premise and, and something that I had witnessed personally in previous my previous life of being a preschool teacher and toddler teacher and also working at McPhail. Um, I noticed that a lot of early childhood educators weren't using much music and in their classrooms, and um, except for group time. Group time was predominantly the time that folks used it. Um, When I was teaching toddlers and preschoolers, I was actually using records and tapes. (laughs) So that kind of dates me a little bit. I remember those. (laughs) But anyway... (laughs) Um, and so, um, and then working, as I started working at McPhail and working in partnerships, I still noticed that a lot of teachers weren't really using music and it's such a missed opportunity. And so um, we had just this little tiny bit of money and a few hundred dollars. And um, one um, a colleague of mine at Wilder Child Development Center, um, who then was Mary Vanderwert, she was the director. Um she and I were talking and we talked about, gosh, it'd be kind of interesting to find out if music could really make an impact on learning because I think it does. I mean, I notice it does. And so we we tried this and the goal was to train the teachers to feel more comfortable to use music in the classroom and, you know, find ways to use it in um, learning areas, at the blocks, uh, while they were brushing their teeth, while they were eating breakfast, while they were walking down the hall, and all those kind of wonderful things that are difficult, but would be easier with music. And so um, we did an informal research project, 2004 to 2005, again, at Wilder Child Development Center in St. Paul. It's in a distressed neighborhood. Um, And um, what we found out was pretty amazing, which I will talk about in just a little bit here. But uh, to just kind of give you a sense of the program is that, again, we're training early childhood teachers to use music in the classroom to build learning potentials for young children. And um, and we've worked with about 3,000, I'm thinking, I'm just estimating, but about 3,000 children in since 2004 in this program and hundreds of early childhood educators. Wow. Well, and I know that as a former uh, child care provider and educator as well, sometimes it's hard to to use music because there's so many other things. As you said, sometimes it, it, if it doesn't become just that, it's like a muscle you have to exercise 
to use daily. So we understand that sometimes it's just one of those extra things that you're not thinking through, you're not using. So um, what we have a question for our listeners that I'd like to pose to all of you to respond in our social media is just what are some of the barriers that might prevent you from using music in your settings? Um, we're curious about that information. And so I'm really excited to find out, you know, what, so you set that goal of really trying to see how you could increase and how it was impacting learning. We talked a little bit in our last podcast with you, Diana, some of the areas that music can impact. And I think you're probably going to weave some of that together as you go into some of the things that you found in that first chunk of time that you researched. Sure. So um, going back to Wilder Child Development Center, that was our first location to try learning with music out. And um, it was an informal research project. We, um, what we did is we tried to integrate and infuse music into the, um, the preschool and the, with the toddler classrooms through the preschoolers. And again, to train the teachers to use music in daily activities. Um, and we based this all on what we knew about how music impacts learning. It impacts and development. It impacts social emotional skills cognitive language, creative, critical thinking skills, motor skills, language skills, everything you can think of um, in cognition. And so um, the goal of the project was at that time to measure how music impacted pre-literacy and pre-math skills in particular. That was a, a huge goal at Wilder Child Development Center and their focus was in improving those skills so that the children would be more would be ready for school because a lot of them were struggling. And so um, we um, the only addition to the the program was the addition of music from 2003 and 2004 to 2004 and 2005. Otherwise, we made sure that all the other measures were the same. The teachers were basically the same. The curriculum was the same. Um, The approaches and and all the different areas and goals and things like that were similar. And so what we found was there was a 25 to 40% increase in their pre-literacy skills through their work sampling data and a 15 to 20% in their pre-math skills, which is pretty amazing, I think. Pretty amazing indeed, yes. And so that made a big difference and led towards more funding and more research. Um, I personally was working on the project at that time. It was it was a lot of fun. And so I you know, would go weekly and work with the toddlers and the preschoolers and the teachers. And my goal was to get them outside of their group area. You know, nice. so we do a little bit in the group area, but then we'd go over to the block area and I'd go, you know, shadow a teacher and we'd sing a song about cars or blocks and highs and lows and things like that mm-hmm. to really make it meaningful. So it was um, it made sense to the kids and they were able to apply it right then. Um, and since music is such an attention getter, it was able they were able to attend and then process and learn immediately. Um, one personal example that I have that um I always, it always makes me kind of choke up when I talk about it, but there was this little boy in the toddler room. His name was Nigel and his little sweetheart. He, um, he didn't have very many um, expressive language skills. Receptively, he could understand, but expressively, he just, he just like, you could tell it was there, but it just couldn't come out or wouldn't come out. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, he, um, he struggled a lot with behaviors. Um, We'll call them big behaviors. (laughs) Challenges and um, would push a lot and grab and, you know, to get attention from his teachers and his friends. And so, um, but I noticed that when I would go in there, he loved this huge African drum they had in the corner. 
that really wasn't getting used much either. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go over and use it. So, um, so we started to sing songs over there and with the group and then kind of individually, I'd pull them out and, and go over and sing a song. And so um, the song that I would sing to him goes like this and I'll just do a little snippet, but we tap and we tap and we stop. We tap and we tap and we stop. We tap and 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 we stop. So every time we would stop, we would stop and wait. Uh-huh. And he stopped until he, you know, he, he, got, it. he got it very quickly. Yeah. And so um, every time that I would go over there the next few weeks, he would pull me over and we'd sing that song. And um, the first word that he said in his classroom was, what do you think? It was stopped. <laughs> It was amazing. So then he can go over and he could go tell his, you know, if if his friends were bugging him, he could go over and he could say, stop. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my. So that's fantastic. What a good story. So it's a good example of how music can build language skills. And again, we got his attention. He was engaged with something that was fun. And so then he was able to learn. And after that, he was saying things like caterpillar and, you know, all these crazy words that were coming out of him. So. Um, wow. Amazing. So, yeah, yeah, because music does music has that rhythm that helps with that whole practice and repeat and that repetition piece that's so essential to that language development. And you've engaged him by using the drum. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Music yeah. has all those important qualities and novel sounds and, you know, highs and lows and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we had. um you know, success with that. And that led to more funding. We were able to use those research results to get some more funding. And so we started using this again, um, informal research um, at various places throughout the Minneapolis and St. Paul metro areas. And, and then we were very fortunate in 2013 to get some major funding um, from General Mills Foundation and also from some other local and corporate donors. Um, And so we were able to work with a real researcher. (laughs) Prior to that, it was uh, me having the teachers collect data and me kind of taking it and working with it. Um, um, But anyway, so her name is um, Eleanor Brown. She's from Westchester University in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And we worked with four preschools in very distressed neighborhoods of St. Paul. And um, the goals there were, again, to teach the teachers to or train the teachers to use music in the classroom to impact this time, though, really focusing on executive functioning skills, such as self-regulation and impulse control, inhibitory control. And, you know, we kind of realized as we were going along these years in between that it really was that that we were getting at. Um, Because we were able to help the kids control their emotions and their inhibition, you know, their impulses, um, they were able to learn. And that's why they were able to do a lot of these other things in addition to just the nature and um, uh, complexities of music and how they can enhance things. Um, But anyway, so with that, we had um, a very robust research project over that time span with four preschools and experimental and control groups um, comparing. And what we found was that the students that received learning with music um, programming showed an advantage in emotion regulation and inhibitory control. And it was pretty dramatic Hmm. versus those that had not. Um, And so, again, the ability to attend and learn then helped them 
for the future. Um, the one thing that we came across, unfortunately, with that research was that one of the preschools closed that last year. And so um, we had um, a sample size issue. So okay. with a with a, a, a researcher, we needed to have a, you know, a good size sample size sample size um, to be able to publish results from that. And so from there, we ended up doing another two-year research project. Um, and Jane was involved in this one. So I'm going to have her give examples in just a second here. Um, but there we worked with two um, distressed uh, or two preschools in distressed neighborhoods in North Minneapolis and St. Paul. And the goal was to prove the efficacy of the research results from the previous research project. And so okay. we had same goals you know, to, to train the teachers, to measure executive functioning skills. We had various tests that we did, both same tests, same measures, um, and um, the same kind of robust, robust uh, research setting. And we mm -hmm. had the same results, which nice. is really amazing. And so we, are, we can now say that um, music makes an impact on executive functioning skills for, for young children. So, um, yeah, Jane, do you want to share some examples? Sure. Um, and I was just going to say, so my role was as a facilitator, like a go-between to really help the teachers. I did not want to come into these classrooms and sort of take over the space. I wanted to just learn how that classroom community worked together and then tailor, well, how are we going to do this? What does your day look like? So a lot of it in the beginning is about rapport building and trust building between the teachers and I. Sure. And then we can kind of get into the music. And that takes a little bit of time um, just because, you know, we have to just to get to know each other and things like that. So um, once that was done, I was able to just kind of observe where are the areas that were having issues. And as is always the case in early childhood, it's uh, transitions. Yes. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> yeah. Part of the day. Yeah. yeah. And it's everything, even from going to group time to free play uh -huh. or free play to lunch or whatever it was that always transitions. And so at McPhail, we use um, utility songs, what we like to call utility songs, uh, to familiar songs that teachers and children know um, that can be changed and adapted to fit the situation. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, a lot of people do this anyway, but it was just, let's name it, let's let's do this. So, for instance, at one of the preschools, um, the kids had to transition from a downstairs classroom to their big motor room, which was upstairs, which was also where their play area was. Okay. And this is a big, uh, quite That's a, a big long transition. way. <laughs> That's a big Down a hallway, up you know, two flights of stairs and then into the space. And I noticed that these toddlers would just bolt. Sure. <laughs> and it was like, oh, this is not safe because now we've got children who are on stairs, unattended. You know, it was just, oh, we got to figure this out. So we came up with a with an idea that that sensory feedback of holding our finger on the wall and oh, this feels quite good, you know, yeah. <laughs> march down the hall. And so 
we came up with a song was put your finger on the wall on the wall and then we would just sing this as we would go down the hall and then would everybody march and it went from people running down the hallway and teachers you know panicking to singing this song down the hall yes. <laughs> and you gave them something to do instead of telling them what not to do you gave them an action that really created that connection in their brain to say oh and you also provided that sensory input on top of it what a great way to reinforce yeah this feels good this works and then the the i'm sure the look on the the teachers faces of wow i can do that mm -hmm. that's not that's not a, a really tricky thing you've just shown a, given a great tool for them to use always. Um, I personally, one of my favorite songs to change was Miss Mary Mack by Ella Jenkins. That dates me too. <laughs> I, I, that was my one of my favorites in my classroom and honestly used it all the time for different things. But truly that is a wonderful, that's a wonderful example. Thank you for sharing that, Jane. I love that. Yeah. And then other things that, you know, of course, we would have issues with, with reciprocal play, with sharing. <laughs> Another <Yes. good> one. <laughs> um, and so if I did any kind of group structured music, it was to show the teachers, this is how we facilitate sharing with music. So waiting our turn. And so we might tap our knees, wait, wait, wait my turn for the, and then just insert the object that we're waiting for. Mm -hmm. And A, the tapping of the knees and that rhythmic component, again, gives the child an activity to do instead of saying, nope, you can't have that. Nope, you right. can't have that. Yes. Because who wants to do that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think, yeah. And, and the whole, what I love about that, and this sometimes we, it's, if you're not used to doing it, it, the transformation that it can provide to going back to what you shared earlier, Diana, too, about those big behaviors and that challenge with communicating your wants and needs expressively, all of those pieces come together when you bring in a music song that's very repetitive, simple, not a lot of words, but it, it just engages the brain in so many different ways. Like mm -hmm. And also then uh, kind of that cherry on the top is that executive function, that self-regulation, that piece that's going to be that foundation as that child learns and grows throughout their, their school time and their interactions with others. So sounds like an amazing, amazing program, fun to see your results, which, you know, you set out to, to evaluate the work that you do. And it's always nice when the results show that yeah, it makes a difference. It makes an impact. Exactly. Well, and I would say one thing, um, too, it's um, a lot of people don't feel comfortable singing because they don't think that they have a good voice. Yes. Kids don't care. Yeah, they don't care at all. They want they want to experience that with you and they want to sing along. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a part of them. It's a it's a part of their being. From the steady beat yeah. of their heart. I mean, it's just, it's how they experience the world. So it's giving giving them, and it also helps us teachers because it can also help us calm down. If we're singing rather yes. than speaking or yelling or whatever it is, it's a much better way to be. So it helps everybody. Lovely. Yeah. Um, Agree. I was going to say with um, the research, so we are in the process of trying to get the two uh, formal research projects published. And okay. so um, they're in process still. The pandemic has kind of pushed it back a little bit, but I know they're mm -hmm. on their way. So that will be very exciting when we're able to share that message to the larger world. That will be 
Truly, yes. And um, I so look forward to talking with you more. We we're going to have you come back and share a little bit more of the specific work related to age groups that you do. And I'm sure that there's going to be more tips and tricks included in that that people can glean from their time listening to the podcast. So I appreciate you being here with us, Jane, and also Diana, and look forward to connecting again in another episode very soon. And for those of you listening, you can always reach out out to us for more resources and also other podcasts on our website at inclusivechildcare.org and also follow us on our social media. We are so grateful for your um, listening ears that, that show us that these podcasts matter and we look forward to hearing from you as well on different topics that would be useful to you in the work that you do. So with that, I will say goodbye until next time. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.